tough life. <laughs> 19, driving a Cadillac, wearing Grey Cup rings, and the guy was a tripod. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. April 27th, 2021. It is a gloomy-ish evening, but for a week that was supposed to be full of rain, it's been really nice. So Yeah, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm your host, Brock, and we got P-Dog from the, the Quebec side, made it back, a cleanly shaven head, yeah, face, weird. and wearing uh, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders jersey, appropriately so, given this is going to be a CFL-focused episode. How you doing, bud? Yep. I'm all right, man. I'm all right. You know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm I'm starting to feel it this week. I've had a couple of conversations with people about you know like uh, how you how you holding up, and every single person has said this second round of like lockdowns has been uh, a lot more difficult um, for many reasons, like well mentally obviously, but uh, you know work wise and just getting getting the motivation to uh, get up and you know plan things with the kids. Getting you know you get, there's only so much creativity, right? We really take take for granted, I think, what schools do for our kids. Yeah, and Angela and I talk about all the time how fortunate we are, um, given our job situation, but how many people probably are in it are in tough with the kids being at home and doing the online learning. Yeah. She works in a school, she can be home. I work from home, I can be home and still yeah. work. But if I was in retail or a frontline worker or something like that, you'd have to make yeah. those arrangements. And it's uh um that's tough. It's uh, it's definitely tough. Um wanted to uh shout out to uh, big boss man. Kwame with Cap City Beats. He put this out here. Now, I did not make a very nice thing because now you get half our faces, but it's the Cap City Beats Small Business Advertising Program. And basically, it's uh, it's offering a $4,000 worth of value for only 500 bucks, And it's uh, designed uh, to help small businesses as much as he can. So what he's trying to do is, is in these difficult times, is have Cap City Beats, the platform, uh, help small businesses. So if anybody's interested, uh, you can email advertise at capcitybeats.ca. And I thought that was a very good initiative. I saw that on the, the Instagram uh, for Cap City Beats. So um, obviously we're a big fan of him, the platform, and uh, anything they can do for small businesses is great. Good stuff, yeah. Great stuff. I'm always uh, I'm always down to help small businesses out every, anytime I can. When I was working, actually, that was one of the main things we'd like to do year round is uh, contribute and help small businesses. So, um, also, I uh, wanted to a couple of things. One, I wanted to give a huge birthday shout out to my mother, who uh, it was her birthday on April 23rd. Uh, yeah. I didn't do it the show early. I'm just, uh, I want to make sure that we had got a chance to see her as well. So um, happy birthday to mom. Um, you know, I'm glad we had a chance to see you. We went over and we brought breakfast, uh, surprised her. We actually got stopped at the border and I was like, well, I'm about to eat seven breakfasts, but uh <laughs> I told the guy, and I had the kids in the car and stuff too, so I wasn't trying to pull any stories like I'm going to work or anything like that. I was just like, hey, it was my mom's birthday yesterday. You know, she's not going anywhere, whatever. We're just bringing her breakfast. Is that the Quebec border police? That was, uh, yeah, I think it was the Quebec border police. They've been pretty good. Both both directions, they've been pretty good. Although, I will say this, they had, what, 150 people they turned away over the weekend? Yeah, but, I'm curious as to what it was because I, I it really was, would have figured we might have been well, sent back. 
Well, they right. released that. They, it was a lot of people were just going to pick up groceries from their gro- favorite grocery store, or um, what was it? There was a um, going to get weed. That was one. That was a big excuse. There was a number okay. of people who just go and say, "Look, my dispenser guy is on uh, is in on Dalhousie or whatever." So, but they are literally turned turned away. They get, when you get to that light, turn around. So, interesting. <laughs> Um, the other thing too, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to go into a lot of it, but, uh, as you know, I've, uh, in the past when uh, I was going through some personal issues, I went to a, uh, it's, it's called a Curcio, which is like a, a Catholic Christian sort of men's weekend getaway kind of thing where, okay. you know, you really get a chance to, you know, dive deeper into, uh, you know, what you believe in and, and, um, uh, you know, uh, your, yourself, all that kind of stuff. Um, but during that process, I've gone twice and I've met some phenomenal people and, um, uh, we lost, uh, Deacon Dan Carroll, uh, this morning to oh, COVID. Man. So, uh, I know he had underlying health issues and stuff as well. Uh, but <clears throat> I just wanted to, uh, Put out my condolences to uh, to his family and to the Crisillo family and to everybody who knows Dan. Uh, you know, it was a, a pretty big loss. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was COVID-related. So I heard that this morning. I knew he was going through a tough time, but uh, I thought some prayers go out to him. At oh. the same time, um, you know, another group of people that uh, I had met through Crisillo, one being a... Um, uh, a phenomenal musician. He played all the music during our, our weekend there. But uh, Richard Wimet, uh who's uh, become a pretty decent uh, friend, a guy that even though we don't see each other all the time, we get to, to hang out and, and, and touch base. But uh, his son Christian Wimet is listening today, so I wanted to shout out uh, Christian and uh, and Richard for uh, listening. And obviously, um, you know, they uh, join in my uh, sympathies for uh, for Dan's passing today too. But uh, sorry to hear that, man. Uh, <clears throat> actually, I'll, I'll... If we're if we're there, might as well. Mike Anderson, we know Mike Anderson. Yep. Yeah, we know Mike Anderson. His uh, his friend, who happens to be my dear friend Mark Chartrand's dad's twin brother. Or really, sorry, twin brother, younger brother. Yeah. So okay. John Chartrand. Yeah, yeah. Um. So that's Mark's dad's brother. Um. He passed away, uh, due to COVID. So um. Again, we underlying issues or not, it's it's sad. Yep. Uh, he was a younger brother and you know, it, no matter what situation is, when you say underlying issues, it's, it's just, it's sad when it's not their time necessarily. So uh, for me anyways, that's how I feel. So uh, my condolences to uh, once again, to Linda and Bernie, who are uh, two wonderful people, tough as nails, but they always keep a, a good spirit and they are constantly uh, commemorating Mark in different ways. And uh, you know, through pictures and stories and, uh, I'm sure they'll do the same with John. So my condolences out to them and to to Mike Anderson, who who actually posted it first. That's actually where I saw it. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay, be safe, people. You mm-hmm. know, be. Uh, I know there's a lot of uproar, and and you know, you're seeing UFC fights with full capacity. You're seeing other countries do things. That's the you know, states. That's they're vaccinated. They're vaccinated. There's there's a difference. We got to stay strong. I really feel for Ford. I'm not getting into the, this right now with you, but. Um, you know, he's in a tough place. I really feel bad for a guy who's, you know, trying to do the best for everybody from a health standpoint and from our population, but he's not going to make everybody happy and people are getting a bit restless. No. And I just think that anyway, I just feel for yeah. him because it's got to be stressful and, and, uh, when doing, he's doing that kind of stuff anyway. And look, this is, look, 
not not a long story, a very short point. An 81-year-old man got his COVID vaccine. He's fully vaccinated. He caught COVID after he got the vaccine. Fine. Didn't need to be hospitalized. Didn't need to go, uh, you know, didn't need to actually a ventilator. Didn't need anything. He got sick because he caught COVID. But because of the vaccine, it it, uh, it didn't, he didn't have to go to the hospital and he didn't get sick. That's the whole point of the vaccine. It's not a cure. It'll just keep you from dying or going to the hospital. So if you're a listener and you're still on the fence and you don't know how science works, that's how science works. They need to get more and they need to open up to younger people. Yes. Apparently that percent is going up. Anyway, we should have Dr. K on again. Give us another update on what's going on. I actually spoke with him. I'd see him on Tuesday. So I'll I'll be Beautiful. All right. Let's let's roll uh, our sponsor. And yes. (laughs) That friendly music is always positive, eh? (laughs) Selling or buying? Call Tracy Escander with Roy LaPage at Group Philippe LeMay. They have the buyers and the right game plan to find you a new home. You'll get personalized service in all sectors of the Udaway region. Tracy is fluently bilingual and with a combined 40 years of real estate experience at Group Philippe LeMay, you can rest assured your home buying journey will be handled with first class care and the best prices on the market. Call Tracy today at 613-324-3781 or email her at tracy at tracyescander.com. I, I need to get an email like that. Yes, I know, Pierre. And you're going to be jealous of one of our guests today, too, because he's got an email that's very similar. Come on. Anyway, uh, it is CFL time. We are a week away from the CFL draft. Love the CFL. And uh, we are fortunate enough to have a CFL draftee joining us today. Uh, He is one of the most feared defensive linemen in the youth sports. Um, I watched film on him, and I wonder how I would have attacked him or tried to block him. I don't think it would have been easy. Anyway, let's bring him in now. Alain Simonkinda. You got to choose his walk-up. This is what it's going to be, him walking up on the stage, even though there's no stage. We got to make sure you got that. Welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? Appreciate y'all for having me. I'm happy and excited to be here. Well, you should be happy and excited that you're a week away from your professional life starting. It's 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 a little bit stressful, you know, but uh, I'm definitely making, uh, you know, doing everything I can do to kind of enjoy the process. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it would be great if I if I was able to go to sleep and wake up May 5th and, you know, definitely know where I'm going and then so I can start the next part of my life. Uh, it's an amazing time. It's, uh, you're going to have a lot of fun. The stress is great. Um, all right, let's start with, uh, a real quick. So for our listeners who don't know, and I, uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown? Uh, like your, your, your backstory is, is pretty amazing to get to where you are today. Why don't sure. you give us a little, a shed a little light on that? Yeah, I was born and raised in Congo, uh, moved to Canada in 2005 when I was around eight, uh, with my whole family. I got a family of 12. You know, I got yeah. five sisters, six brothers, so a big old family. I um, told him, well, it's only an hour show. He can't list them all off, unfortunately. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to give that number a shout out. I'll go through the names. But, uh, yeah, moved, moved there when I was around uh, eight and then uh, started playing football for Encaffle Bear Larry at 11. I was actually one of the, one of, one of the last ones in the family to start, you know, playing football. And then from there, uh, play city ball with Encaffle, play provincial ball with Myers Riders, and then um, play high school ball also with Alfonso Cité. And at that point, after I graduated, uh, I went to CJEP, played there for two years. I was there for a year and a half. I played for two seasons. And then from there, 
I had a scholarship to go to uh, North Dakota, but uh, I was missing two credit because I didn't take English my last uh, my last grade 12 year because I went to a French high school. And then, um, yeah, that, that ended up bringing me to uh, New Mexico where uh, North Dakota wanted me to go up and uh, graduate from there so I could be eligible to play D1. Uh, was there for a year at the military school, ball head and everything, waking up at 5 a.m. every day. Um, was able to graduate with honors. I uh, was on a superintendent's list and all that. And then um, made my way back in 2017 to Guelph, where I played for about two, uh, for, where I played for three years. Um, I was about two sacks away from breaking the sack record set by Michael Shea if we would have had a 20. Uh, I was going to ask you what you were short because I knew you were just short, but that also was because there was no season in 2020. Yeah. And, and also, I, I meant, also I meant, you weren't going to be in Guelph in 2020. Yeah, no, I, at least at least the game plan wasn't for me to be there. But uh, yeah, I also missed a, uh, a game my my first year, so that probably could have played a role in there. But yeah, because you're averaging what a sack and a half or two sacks yeah. a game or something stupid like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, checking out, you you had 11 in 2019. You were at I think 16 and a half. Is that right? For yes, uh, for your career, which is again for those who don't know you sports, you're only playing eight games and then Just maybe say, playoffs, that's like like a sack and a half a game. Yeah, it's not 21 tackles for loss. Ooh. Like he, yeah. this guy lives in the backfield. If he had a and he, he had number five for a while, number five or number seven? No, I had number five my first year, number seven my second year, and then number 97 my last year. So which was was that just mind? screwing for the the offense the system to figure out where you're going to be and then say you know what this year you're going to plan for number five fine i'll be number seven you're going to plan for seven i'll be 97 like, uh, i ended up beneficiating from it in that standpoint but it wasn't planned uh, i came in initially i had number seven at, at uh, champlain and i wanted to wear number seven but we had a fifth year vet that had a great guy amazing guy uh, uh Oran Edwards, and then uh, he was coming back for his fifth year, and he had number seven. So our coach told me that, you know, he's going to have it. And then my second year, I had number seven. And then my third year, we got a new coach, and then he came in. He said he don't believe in linemen's wearing single-digit numbers, so I had to switch numbers. So that's why I went with 97. So did you, did you say to the new coach in the third year, say, Coach, I spend more time in the backfield than their quarterback. Let me have the single-digit numbers. <laughs> at that point, it, 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 I was ready to do any, anything for the team, right? And plus, I figured out, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a number. Whatever whatever I do, you know, will, will speak for itself, and then a number is a way to recognize myself. And then that year, also, we had our names uh, on the back of our jerseys. So I figured it wasn't too big of a deal now that I have my last name on the back. Anyway, and, well, this is a great transition because for those who go and Google and watch this tape, as much as I've watched this tape, the pronunciations – give me the proper pronunciation of your name. So the proper pronunciation is Chimakindo, Alas Chimakindo. Okay, even I'm saying it wrong then. I say Simakinda. Yeah, so that, that's usually the easiest way because that's how people read it most, most of the time. But uh, I'll take that. But I, the, the one thing I can't take is just the Simakinda. Simakinda. <laughs> I'm not kind to anything. I'm a kind of going to sack your quarterback. Sim, all right, let's go. But as we talked about off air beforehand, as long as before your name it says drafted number third overall or it says sack made by, then it doesn't matter what they call you. I'm cool with that. At that point, it's a cherry on top. All right, so uh, we want a little bit of a behind the scenes of what you're going through for the last few months, getting ready for the CFL draft. So it's obviously COVID is up in the air. So there's not the traditional combine where everybody goes and all the GMs and coaches are there. Uh, you know, the eye test is in person. Um, you get a lot of meetings, a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings, all that kind of stuff that you can go through. Give us what it was like for you during these COVID times. 
Uh, it, it was very different. Uh, we we actually had to submit our our, our videos of us testing, and then the CFL tested it by themselves. And uh, so it was very special. I like a, a guy like myself. I'm used to training, you know, twice to three times a day for about six days a week. And then when COVID came around, it made it super hard. I used to actually go uh, do my first session with Titans, and then go to my second session at, at a Good Life, and then go home stretch and all that. But I, you know. I didn't really have that avenue anymore with the lockdowns and everything. And uh, I initially thought with the with the whole lockdown and the virtual combine, it was going to help. But uh, the way it ended up playing out, uh, the week of the testing is when actually uh, Ford implemented the stay-at-home order. Mm. So gyms got closed, uh, you know, and then I was supposed to actually test. With, we were supposed to have a, a, a testing day with Carlton, and that got canceled. It was actually supposed to be on a Tuesday, uh, April 6th. It got moved on a Thursday, and then the day of, in the morning, yeah, I canceled again. So I was literally, I was literally have to have to go jump a fence at Millennium Park to go test, mm. and and, um, and then for the bench even nobody, was, nobody rat, nobody rat. He did the <laughs> test, he did it. All right, it's his career, it's his it's career. His career yeah, right. I I, 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 I wanted to make sure that you know I was able to submit something. And then I, I, I just didn't want to have uh, did not participate, so I made sure to submit everything I was able to. And then uh, when it comes to the bench, I, I didn't even test for the bench. Uh, this the, the the benching video I submitted was from about two, three weeks ago because because the gyms were, were closed at that point and I wasn't mm. even able to get to work in. So that's kind of how it played out. And right now, man, I'm just uh, – I'm doing everything I can. I'm able to train at the Anytime Fitness where I train every now and then. And then uh, my, I, got, I got my strength coach and conditioning coach, Joey Kwasnaki from uh, uh, Titan Performance. I'd be sending me workouts. And then uh, every every now and then we could get in, get some work in. I take advantage of that. Is that but how you pronounce Joey's issue. last name? Oh, uh, you see you See? See? Last, like, you got to know. That's why I went by quick. That's why I that's he went by quick. All right, that's all right. He's he understands. He understands. Were you going to say Pep? Sorry, I was going to say this is an, that is what you're bringing up is an issue across the board for all sports. Is uh, especially you know youth uh, hockey at the the 16, 17 year old age range, 18 year old. Uh, they're having a hard time providing film for teams, and teams are asking. I mean, in fact, I think they've created a, an online platform where you could submit videos. Um, yeah. And so you got kids doing max bench press. Um, well, on hockey, it's a little bit different. It's 50% of your body weight and see how many, how many times you can actually bench it. So they're submitting these videos, but it's home video. So it's, it doesn't have that same feel. So it is, a, I think it's an issue across, uh, across the board for, uh, for all sports. So good on you for, for submitting something. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I was just happy that, you know, uh, I was in a situation where my film did most of the talking and then I was able to uh, have, uh, yeah career with the numbers that I had was able to speak for himself but like talking about the 2019 season like most people don't know I had 18 QB hits right and that's another thing that kind of pissed me off with the OUA because like it, it's a pass heavy team and they get rid of the ball fast like we had teams where they got rid of the ball in 1.8 like for example we played Ottawa U our homecoming game I had seven QB hits no sack just because the ball was being being get rid of so early so you, know, you do know from an offensive scheme why they're getting rid of the ball so fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> because the five guys up front are like, hey, coach, let's call some quick hitters because I can only be a speed bump for this guy. There's a reason for that. So don't let that get to you. Take that as a compliment, and it's going to keep happening. If you keep getting a quarterback in 2.2, they're going to get rid of the ball in 1.8. So it's survival. When you survival. say QB hits, when you well, say QB like hits. Five, right? Y'all got five O-linemen. We got three D-linemen. Y'all got fullbacks and running back and everything in the backfield. It's like, y'all. Like with all that, and like we had teams like, for example, U of T, they will, they will go seven linemen, 
and still get rid of the ball under two seconds. I'm like, damn, y'all really don't believe in your guys that much? But, you know, <laughs> I, I, I guess it was a compliment in respect to, to, to our D linemen. So I'll take that. So when All you're right. hitting the QB uh, and he's released the ball, how many, do you know, is there a stat of how many late hit penalties you guys got as a, as a D line? Or is that uh, even, was that an issue? We, I mean, as a D lineman, you get frustrated. I'm sure. As a defense, as a defense, we definitely did. As a defense, we definitely did. But for myself, I only got one. It was actually that first uh, that game against uh, uh, against Ottawa U. But I, I really, honestly, felt like just the the, the ref felt bad for him because I think the during that whole game, uh, we 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 hit them 15 times, and that had seven out of the 15s, right? So I guess on one of them, I think it was the third quarter, the ref just fell back because like it was legit under 1.5. I hit the QB on the 1.5, and then the ball had just gotten out. Was a, uh, I think it was a sweep or a screen uh, to the side, and then he just he he gave me that. But that was my only one that I got all season. Hey, That's one's impressive. not bad, given all that kind of stuff. I I got more late hits as an offensive lineman than that. So hey, <laughs> um, all right, uh, real quick, this we're going to be talking to uh, uh, Kenneth Rare in a little bit here about the CFL XFL merger. I want to take your perspective real quick. Are you really following this pretty intensely, or are you kind of like, hey, whatever happens, happens? I'm just getting in there and go. Or are you really vested to say, you know what, I'm I'm worried about rule changes, I'm real worried about expansions, or what's going to happen? No, I'll be honest, it's, it's more the former because I mean, this, okay. this whole process of the CFL prep and then the the, the 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 weirdness of it, the fact that you know I, I didn't have the gym, the fact that I had to find ways to get creative, start keeping up my with my work and my workouts. I was like, you know what, I'm putting my head down and focus on this, and then. Once I get there, whatever I'm going to get to, I'm going to have to deal with it. So might as well not even worry about it at all. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> our guest who's after you said, did Alain just complain about U of T using seven old linemen? <laughs> no, it was <laughs> true. <laughs> like, and like a fullback in the backfield. And still the ball guy, like it, it, to me, it was like I didn't, I, I didn't understand it. Because like I would watch some of my homies at, 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 in the queue. And it's like they're holding the ball for three seconds. Different styles of offense, for sure. Different (laughs) styles of offense. (laughs) Hey, we got a question from one of our listeners, our our most prominent listener probably. He wants to know what your bench was. Uh, It was 23. It was 23. All right. my my 2019 season, during that offseason, I had actually done – I had got 28. And that was like early in the offseason. So I was actually planning on doing 32. But the way God would have it, uh, I guess, you know, uh, he was cool with me giving that 23, so I'm going to take 23, take it. 6'1", 245 still? Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Long for those that uh, yes, yeah, for those that want to see a guy put in effort, and your diet is what's really impressive to me because I watch it, and I think, how can you possibly – I message you. I'm like, how do you possibly sure, eat sure. that stuff? Uh-huh. And for it's sure. just – it's. It, the food is not for pleasure in any sense of the word with this guy. It's literally, I say, what's on your plate? He's like, that's just like three handfuls of sliced almonds with chicken breast and something else. Like it is, it's, it's, it's science. Food is fun. Yeah. Food is life. And it, yeah. it's not, it's food yeah. is fuel. And he think, thinks of it that way. And that's why he's working like a machine. But if yep. you need to follow him on uh, Instagram, uh, I do. I know you have another one, but the one you have is the at AB Simmonkinda. Uh, yeah, sir. That's that's my IG. Which uh, I thought that was a, a clever play on uh, on stuff as well. Right. Uh, I, I figured I, I might as well take advantage of it. It's it's not everybody that was born with ABC. ABC in your. Uh, that's right. I took advantage of it. All right. I think we've uh, we've taken a lot of your time. As I said uh, again, off air. 
Um, definitely want to have you after you get drafted. We know where you're going and all that kind of stuff. Definitely want to have you on and spend a bit more time with you and and really feel um, your your emotions on getting drafted and all that kind of stuff. We wish you the best. Uh, I'm proud of you. I, I know your family very closely. Um, and uh, all of Ottawa is very proud. We're going to be watching to see where you, where you land. And uh, last one, if you could choose any team, would you give me one right now? I'll be honest with you. Uh, not nah, really. Saskatchewan. I've been, I've been, I wouldn't mind Saskatchewan. I actually had an interview with them. So, uh, great organization, great place. I oh. played it. But, you know, to be honest with you guys, I, I just want to play ball, right? Especially, you know, not having a 2020 season. It don't really matter where I end up as long as I get to strap up and, you know, wear my cleats and, and ball out. Then I'm cool wherever I'm at, to be honest. Awesome. Well, we'll be watching. It's next Tuesday. I mean, we'll be on our show, but I'll have the thing streaming at the same time. So definitely be following along. I hope you get a chance to enjoy this moment with your uh, family and friends as much as possible, too, even if it's virtually, whatever. Uh, Soak it in. Enjoy it. And I'm super pumped and excited for the next chapter of your football career, buddy. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming on, and we'll get you on again. Yes, sir. Sounds good. I'll be happy to definitely come back and, and chop it up. Yes, sir. Beautiful. All right. Good luck to you. All right, let's uh, let's do the other let's sponsor because we're going to be uh, probably, I don't know, I feel like we're going to be going long. I got Ken in the back. He's already asking questions. Love it. I love it. Where's my music? Oh, yeah. Are you selling or buying? Call Tracy Iskander with Royal LePage and Group Philip LeMay. They have the buyers and the right game plan to find you a new home. You'll get personalized service in all sectors of the Udaway region. Tracy is fully bilingual, and with a combined 40 years of real estate experience at Group Philip LeMay, you can rest assured your home buying journey will be handled with first-class care and the best prices on the market. Call Tracy today at 613-324-3781 or email her at Pierre's favorite email address, tracy at tracyiskander.com. Hey, and uh, I think that's the last week for Tracy's uh, promo. So uh, we are booking in advance. If you have a small business or you're a realtor or you're, you've got some business and you want to join in on the fun, <laughs> uh, why don't you uh, drop us a line and uh, Brock and I can discuss uh, our packages that we offer. And uh, Brock's pretty good at, at obvious, as you can see, the graphic part is all Brock. And, uh, you know, him and I collaborate with what we're going to say. So um, you'll get something similar to what you just saw, depending on what you want. So uh, why don't you give us a shout? Beauty. Um, actually, I was men- meaning to mention that earlier. Okay, let's bring on our next guest. He's a nine-year C- CFL veteran. Pierre has his player card. I we can do. go into a little bit longer, but let's get let's get Ken in here now. Oh, look at that! Look at that! You asked for it, you get it. The card, little guy. Got like. uh, I'll read the stats, but you can't really read them. But I'll read them out <laughs> to you guys. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ken. How are you doing today? Hey, good. You guys can hear me? No problem? No problem. You sound great. Awesome. So you guys are going to talk about your packages if you get a chance to connect with a sponsor? <laughs> yes, we'll talk with our packages. <laughs> Both your packages? Okay. Yeah, that'll be our, our sound clip for later. Um, <laughs> I'll leave uh, that one for Brock. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm nah. in the I was on TV long enough that you never actually remember half the things you say until someone replays it back to you. <laughs> And, well, uh, I was thinking yeah. we should have got you in earlier, especially when Elaine was on. I was like, I knew that it would go 
the whole show if we were getting in and you start pumping the questions from the the private chat and i was like oh this is gonna go on forever <laughs> but he's a typical guelph guy right? <laughs> typical griffin they haven't won anything and they got like nine uniforms like oregon ducks <laughs> that's a very good comparison in oregon i was but, irritated for the same reason but yeah like how many kids went to school there because they had seven different uniforms right? yeah they don't and it's uh games, so. what's his name knight Right, the, the guy used to go yeah, there, the Nike, the Nike guy. connection. Yeah. Now, with that said, uh, I'm excited for Atlanta because the CFL draft is a pretty exciting experience. It's it's too bad we're in the COVID situation where you can't be there in person uh, to experience being drafted, especially when you're ex- expected to be in a you know first round tight pick. Uh, but uh, you know, you got to roll with the punches. And if anything, we know that football players, athletes are used to rolling with punches and having to overcome situations. So, uh, but I'm excited for him. Yeah, no, uh, I'm, I haven't seen any projections necessarily of where we expect in the fall and, and the CFL, I don't find has as an elaborate projection, uh, analysis no. as the NFL does. So it's kind of up in the air and some guys, you know, you, you never even really hear of until the draft. You say, oh, that's a Canadian that's playing down in the States or something like that, and they kind of get thrown in there. But um, I don't know. There's something about this kid when I watch him play and, and um, you know, just his ability, his motor. His motor is phenomenal. If you watch some of that tape, like he gets chipped yeah. off of one thing and he's still on the other side of the field getting that last hit on the quarterback that's within legal time. But it's just, you say, is that actually the same guy? Stuff like that that kind of yeah. really stands out. So, um, obviously, we want to talk about the CFL merger with you because I'm, sure. I have some concerns with, um, I guess, the state of the game. And, and from a Canadian standpoint, like, I wanted to get your take. Should we be worried about Canadians and the game? Uh, you know, I, I think I think there's worry because I think it, it's, it's a red flag in terms of the financial scenario as far as the CFL is concerned. And, what it what it, what does the CFL get from this? Is it cash? Is that what they need? Are they that desperate for cash? Uh, when I was in the league and, and the CFL merged to Baltimore and San Antonio, Sacramento, Memphis, and all the other cities that we played in, uh, it was essentially a cash grab for the CFL to, s- to stay alive. Right. And uh, there was never a discussion about changing the ratio. There was never a discussion about changing the rules. It was just American cities uh, would play CFL football and that the American players and coaches would have to adapt. And uh, many of the CFL guys, uh, the Americans, end up going to some of these teams like Damon Allen had played down at Memphis. A couple other guys were down there playing at other teams that uh, were well-versed in the CFL. And the reason why the Baltimore Stallions were so good was that if you look at that roster that won the Cup, even the year before, I think when they lost, they were predominantly American, all American players, but guys who played in the CFL. Right. So uh, there wasn't the same concern back then. We knew it was a cash grab. We knew it was to keep the, the league alive. But it wasn't a threat to sort of the Canadian way of playing the game. And, and there's all this angst now that, and concern that it may change. And you don't want to see Canadians losing jobs. But, but then again, what happens is now you've got a team of uh, national and international players. And now you're going to play a team based in the States that's all American players. Now, is there a significant competitive gap? I think there's less of a competitive gap now than there would have been back in the day because there's just so many really good Canadian football players coming out of Canadian university programs that have really ramped up their game and really Mm -hmm. 
developed some great athletes, some great football players. Well, I had a question for you, actually, just a follow up on what you were saying that the state of the yeah. current CFL from the optics, like if you're watching a game on TV outside of maybe Toronto, who doesn't yeah. had a hard time drawing at the gate, uh, maybe the location of the stadium, it's hard, it's hard to say, but attendance was good. At least visibly, it looked like they were, you know, drawing 20, 22,000. I don't know what Lansdowne fits, but 25,000 maybe. It seemed like from a, from a, a viewer's perspective that attendance was decent. And uh, so where are they losing money? Where are they hemorrhaging money uh, on a, well, pre-COVID? I'd say there's, there's a couple of areas in the media off the top of my head. I hate doing this because it feels like I'm betraying my brethren, but uh, quarterbacks get paid a lot of money in the CFL. When you get a guy, say, in BC, like Mike Riley, who's getting up the purpose of a million dollars, over a three or four year, whatever it is, you know, two year plan. Uh, that's a significant chunk of change. And then you also got to consider the fact that the coaches and the GM, they all get paid pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's part of the cost of running a football team, but the fans don't necessarily take in and uh, they don't sell as much merchandise. Uh, you know, once you buy a toque, once you buy a hat or a t-shirt, that's what you usually wear to the games. It's not like in the NHL where people have four T-shirts and three hats, and then they go off and buy a jersey with their their name on the back. That's going to cost three hundred bucks. It's they just don't make any revenue that way. And the, and the TV contract, though a great one with TSN, is certainly nothing compared to what you have in the states. And the idea that okay, the Rock's going to show up with his people, he's got you know all this money, and he's going to he's going to show up with a TV contract that's going to be worth millions upon millions of dollars. Sure, hypothetically, on paper, it would work. But could it work? Will people actually go to games in the States? I don't know, because I played in a lot of empty stadiums when we played south of the border back in the day. Yeah, and that's – I've always kind of said, as much as Doug Flutie was amazing, and it's still – I think Pierre has some questions for you later on, like, choosing quarterbacks, whatever. Flutie's right up there in terms of probably the, the most dynamic CFL quarterback I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. But at the time, again, that was, uh, you know, the Gretzky, uh, John Candy stuff, own, owning those teams, and he was getting paid multiple millions of dollars, I think like two or three, I think, at the time. And yeah. I thought, and, and that was, you know, grossly different than, every, than the vast majority of the CFL players. And I thought that that ruined the league to a point because I'm like, we just can't afford to pay guys that type of salary. And it kind of echoes your sentiment right now with, with uh, the current quarterback landscape and, and uh, the, 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 the contract structures that it really makes it tough for CFL teams to stay afloat. Now, looking at the merger, what mm -hmm. some people are saying is that, okay, <clears throat> you know, the CFL lost like 60 to $80 million in 2020. They didn't get the buyout or the, uh, the bailout. Right. Um, that their demographic is aging fairly rapidly um, from that standpoint, and that mm -hmm. the media coverage is declining. Like even from TSN standpoint, the media coverage of CFL versus the other sports seems to be dwindling quite a bit. And that the opportunities here are for like uh, possible sports betting uh, stuff they can have, you know, uh, an esports sort of line from like video games and stuff that is, you know, again, uh, another revenue. Uh, stream for certain sports, uh, even the TV right. rights. It's fifty million right now, I think, for the TSN one. And they say, you know, if it's XFL, maybe it goes up to, you know, one hundred, hundred fifty million. Who knows what it is? If you're getting multiple games that are uh, U.S. versus Canada or in the states as mm -hmm. well, you get access to the U.S. sort of market. Um, but at the same time, you look back to when you were playing, mm -hmm. and you're playing, you know, Canadian football in American cities. And 
it didn't really work. It didn't. And, and if you name the cities back in the day, you know, you go from Sacramento, Memphis, uh, Birmingham, Alabama, Vegas, Shreveport. Shreveport, San Antonio, Baltimore, Las Vegas, the only city it really, Las Vegas, the only city it really worked in, I'd say it was Baltimore. And that's because they had lost their NFL team and they were still hungry for a football team. And, and essentially it was, they, they placed all their loyalty in that fan base on, on the Baltimore Stallions because they had such a hungry base and it was the NFL city. And, uh, you know, you, you play in Birmingham, Alabama, and on a, on a Saturday afternoon, and you got a couple of thousand people, and the place holds, you know, 80,000, 75,000. Uh, so it, it, just did, it just didn't capture an audience in the States. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing now. What's going to happen is if there is a merger and you're going to start watching games, and we've watched XFL games in the past, and you see family and friends in the stands, and, and if a team's not doing real well, uh, you see a lot of empty stands. And from an optics standpoint, it's tough to hide that. And if you're not, you don't have people going to games and buying merchandise. Sure, the TV contract's great, but I think somewhere along the way, the TV powers of people say, you know, where's the following? Where are yeah. the fans? Because it should be about it's an experience. You'll never see a WWE event with on a Friday night where it's half full. It's always just jam packed, and I'm not sure if you're going to get the fan base, the following, to you know, to support CFL football. Uh, you got high school football. You guys know that high school football. I've been down to Texas. I, I went and saw a Friday night football game. I saw Saturday Oklahoma Texas in, in, at the Cotton Bowl, and I went and saw the Cowboys on Sunday. And which so, was the least impressive? Well, the funny thing was, is probably was the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, exactly. The high school football game was Allen High School versus it was oh, uh, forget the other team, but it was their homecoming game for the, and they had twenty eight thousand at that game. Yeah, and crazy. That was the high, and then and then you go to the Cotton Bowl during the Texas State Fair to watch Texas Oklahoma, one of the biggest rivals in college football. Eighty six thousand starts at eleven o'clock, and everybody's drunk at eleven o one, and uh, it it was just a you know a great game, a great experience. You know, I, like I want to examine this also from the XFL standpoint. Their product mm-hmm. wasn't exactly lighting up the charts. I think they had a decent no. time slot on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. They were doing that, which worked, I think, in their favor. <laughs> But uh, if we look at the first uh, edition of the XFL, it was sort of hastily put together. The football mm-hmm. outside of that f- initial game with the coin toss or the ball flip and the guy breaking his shoulder and he <laughs> hate me, Rod Smart, who had a cup yeah. of coffee with the Carolina Panthers. The football was awful. Like it was yeah. poor football and the league folded after one year. They were, I, I don't want to say they were along the same lines this year because I, I thought there was some, some I, I, I like some of the rule changes, but should the CFL expect some of the football rules and rule changes that they implemented this year in the XFL? Uh, should the CFL expect any of those types of, uh, I don't know, like a some sort of consolation? Like, hey, we, this is if you want us, this is, you got to bring our league with you with us. There, I think there's, I think there's some things you can do, uh, but I think it's more from a player safety standpoint. The, the way they've changed the kickoff, kickoff coverage. And, and there's a couple of things you do from a player safety standpoint, but in terms of gadget plays, uh, the CFL has been around 100 plus years. And you got to look at it and say, we don't have to go to the gadget play. We don't have to go to the gadget rules to bring people in. And when you, when you say that the, the audience has changed and maybe the fan base in terms of the age, the average age of a fan going to a game, I've been to 
pretty well every red black game since they showed up. And it's the experience, the football experience. And you don't have to be a pure football fan and sit in your stands for four quarters to watch every play. They really have a great time. In fact, a lot of people I know go to games and they don't go near their seats because it's such a great social experience. (laughs) And, and I don't think you need the gadget. I think you can just go and have fun and, They've done a great job. Saskatchewan's done a great job. I think football teams need to realize that they are now in the sports entertainment industry and they need to entertain. But do you have to go to gadget plays? Do you have to change the way the game is played? I don't think you do. And I think I think partly because there's changing the content, changing the way the game is played. Well, if you look at the way the game is played in the CFL, and you look at the way the game was played in the NFL 10 years ago versus today. Now look at the quarterbacks in the NFL today. And look at the quarterbacks that they're looking at. You got RPO guys. You got athletic quarterbacks. They're not six foot four. They're not 245, um, you know, rocket arm guys who can only stay in the pocket. As soon as they get out of the pocket and start running, you can use a bus schedule to time them because they're just that slow. <laughs> now you're seeing some of these great athletic quarterbacks. And the NFL game has morphed and is closer to what the CFL game has been for a long time now. Yeah, I think Flutie was a prime example of, you know, didn't have a shot, yeah. came End up, played well, and then ended up down there and, you know, did his thing, brought that that game, that style to the NFL and was successful until the Buffalo yeah. Bills ownership made the dumbest decision they could do. But anyway, it's... Yeah. But you know, the funny thing is the connecting there is that you got, you got Flutie, you got Damon Allen, you got Tracy Ham, you got some guys who can do some, Matt Dunn, can do some stuff with his feet. They were athletic guys. They weren't considered pro-typical NFL guys. And now you look at the way football players, specifically quarterbacks, are being coached in the states. Right, it's tough to find again that six foot four, two hundred forty pound gunslinger. And a lot of teams think that's the third rail. You don't want that guy because he's eventually going to get drilled. He's eventually going to get hurt, and he's going to need to be on the books for a multi million dollar contract. And he's and he's not going to be playing. It's almost like the way the running backs are drafted now in the NFL. Nobody wants to take a running back in the first round unless he's a stud of all studs because you can find them later on because you go through them so quickly. And you're running two or three main ones the whole season. You're just rotating them. That's just it. The anomaly was when Atlanta got Michael Vick. Man, he's, he's a generational athlete. Now you're finding these guys in every draft. Now, you look at the top quarterbacks now there that look at the NFL draft potentially going in the first round, and you look at them and say, pretty well all athletic guys. The, the only guy I have a question about is the, Ala- the Alabama quarterback. His name is Mac Jones, only because he's been on such a good team. I could have played quarterback for them. Hmm. Right? Yeah. They've been successful because they're so good. But you galp you get to the pros, and, and Brock, you've been there. You get to the pros, you're doing one on ones. In college, you might get one guy, maybe two guys, to put up a battle to get a right. couple of the freshmen or second year guys where it's, it's you're punching grapes. And then you get to the <laughs> pros, and all of a sudden, every guy was yep. a big dog on the porch. Every guy could piss real far, and and you, you don't get a you don't get a moment off in training camp. Nope, no, and you're right when you talk about Michael Vick too, and those kind of guys. If you look back, if we were to go back and, and research, we would probably see a ton of guys like uh, Antoine randall Like a guy, he was the quarterback there in Indiana, was getting recruited there. Like he yeah. was that Michael Vick type, but they never mm-hmm. got those opportunities in the NFL, so he had to switch to a receiver, to, to yeah. switch positions in order to make that, where now you're seeing teams foster 
right athletes who can throw the ball and can do multiple things. And I think that's where that transition is coming through as well. But we can go back and see a a lot of guys who are probably pros um, in different positions who probably would have been great quarterbacks now. Well, who in the CFL right now uh, excites you at the quarterback position? I know we've been off for so long. I can't even remember who plays quarterback for some of these guys. But is there, is there a quarterback right now in the CFL that uh, that excites you? Well, look, Mike Riley is impressive. He's just he's just so impressive because he's just he's a guy who just stands in there and he'll take a shot to win a football game. Uh, he's the guy who's willing to go through the door first and get bloody and beat up to win a game. I really like him. Um, I, I look at the quarterbacks now, and there's no one that I go, wow, right? Bo Levi, yeah, for sure, he's a stud. Uh, he does some great things, but he doesn't wow me. Uh, again, he's the guy who's on, on a great football team. Uh, I, I like to see some of these younger quarterbacks uh, get a chance to do some things and wow us from an athleticism standpoint. Uh but to say there's a guy that wows me in the league today, Mike Riley be the one guy I think out of all of them. Is that also really? something we should be concerned about from a CFL standpoint? Like selling so. the product, you need to have somebody that's a wow factor. Yeah, and if we don't and have think, that, and I think CFL really missed coaches and GMs really missed on some quarterback decisions here in Ottawa. They really missed on Jonathan Jennings. They really missed on Dominic Davis. I think the Argos uh, really missed on James Franklin. He was absolutely horrible. Um, so there, there's some, some bad quarterbacks out there. And, and uh, uh, teams paid the price for it. Ottawa paid the price for it. Uh, the last quarterback who really wowed me beyond Mike Riley would have been Henry Burris. Thank you. And yeah. what wowed me about him was because he was like he was a lot like Mike Riley in that he was a thick quarterback, strong, and he'd take a shot, but he'd put the ball right in the middle of the jersey numbers of Greg Ellingson and Brad Sinopoli and Deontay Spencer. Uh, that's that's what you got to do as a quarterback to win. That's another guy from a CFL standpoint. You say, you know what? Mm-hmm. He didn't. He had to change positions to get in and and to have longevity in Sinopoli. Yeah. But from an athletic standpoint. He's more athletic than any of the quarterbacks I know that are playing today, on yeah, like starting advan- on teams. And the, and the advantage he has is that he's he knows everything about defenses. It took me took me a year and a half, two years in the CFL to figure that stuff out. You know, funny story. He's talking about the CFL draft. I was drafted ninth overall by Saskatchewan, and Dan Rambo was the assistant GM, and they had come to see us at, at Laurier, and uh, but they had drafted this guy Jeff Fairholm second overall behind Orville Lee back then, <laughs> and I think okay, well they don't need another receiver. So I'm not going to Saskatchewan. And then the ninth pick came up, and it was Saskatchewan, and they selected me. And as I made my way to the stage back then, it was a big venue and the whole bit in Hamilton, Bill Baker, the GM, says, welcome to the team. You're a free safety. And I had been, a, <laughs> I had been an all-Canadian receiver. I was yeah. player of the year in the conference. I was a heck Creighton nominee. Uh, I thought I was, right? And uh, at first, I, you know, let the WTF, right? But then I thought about it and said, let, let me get there. And they taught me everything I need to know about defenses. Because in college, quarterback looked at me all panicked, second down and 10. What do you got? Mm, I'm going to run a corner route this time. <laughs> Score a touchdown, right? Because there's only, like, in college, there's two or three guys, four guys maybe on the yeah. field. You have to worry about. So, but you can't get away with that. For all of a sudden, now you're dealing with guys who are from big schools, and you got to learn how to run routes. And, you gotta, and I got that. I realized athletically, I could compete. 
that's a big thing about Canadian kids. They go to camp, they think they can't compete because they're Canadian. No, you can compete. It's not that. It's knowing the scheme and knowing what to look for and and being able to slow the game down. So I come out, there's a free safety, there's the body language of the will linebacker. Okay, where are we? Are we on the right hash? Is it second and seven, second and nine? Is it first and ten? Uh, okay, well, after watching film, the safety will do this, but then watch out because of the rotate and try to fool you. All these little things that you had to figure out like that, the play itself was easy to run if you can figure out all the tails at the poker table between the play that you called in the huddle and the ball being snapped. And that's where you become a pro. Invaluable hey. experience. That's yeah, amazing. that's yeah. a, a soundbite we play for and, all our kids. And also be able to find shade in the middle of Taylor Field in Regina during the ah. hot oh, days. And Milson Jones and Denny Ferdinand and uh, Timmy McRae, the running backs, taught me how to find it right under the goalpost at a certain time of the day. You can find shade and just <laughs> hang out there. What um, what was the worst uh, turf you played on? I mean, there were there were some pretty uh, pretty hard surfaces well, that back then. That new the new turf that, that Saskatchewan had that year was like a salt base, and it, it wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. It was really, it was one of the first turfs where they hit they had that they had some kind of a, an ingredient, sand or salt, so that anytime you stepped or stuff would be kicking up, it'd be all over the place, all over you. So that one wasn't bad, but the worst probably was Ivor Wind because like all they did was kept painting the lines and the logos. <laughs> so you had to really run with your feet up off the ground because you trip on it. I caught a, I remember I caught a quick, they blitzed, I caught a quick hot rope and nobody was near me and I was going to the end zone. And it was it was the actual line marker on the field that tripped me up. And right in front of the Winnipeg bench for all my boys like Gerald Wilcox and Alf and all the guys I knew were just killing themselves laughing. Now, out of the uh, – now, Hamilton's supposed to host the Grey Cup this year. Um, let's, yeah. hope, let's hope that there's a season. I got two questions for you. Um, sure. Are they going to if, – if we don't know what this virus is going to do. We don't know – it looks like we're going in the right direction in terms of vaccinations. But if for whatever reason – the CFL mm-hmm. has to cancel this season. Is it like the, you know, is it is that the icing on the cake in terms of the uh, the league's future if they if they lose another season here without federal government help? In your opinion, I don't think I don't think so. I think people are pretty aware that these are just incredible circumstances, and CFL wouldn't be the only business that struggles through this. It's my hope is that. The vaccinations are taken care of. We get rolling. We have some semblance of a season, and we do have a great cup uh, game in Hamilton because it brings a sense of norm to football fans and to the country. Uh, but I think if we continue to make progress, we find ourselves getting on the other side of this coronavirus, this global pandemic, then I, even if the league doesn't, I still see them. What I see them doing is probably starting the season next season earlier. Mm. And and ramp things up, but but then really have an off season where they can really market and sell and promote it because they couldn't do it this off season because they had no idea what the next day was going to bring. But by by then, if they do, if they don't have a season, by the time you say you get to January, maybe even Christmas time, here's your Christmas gift. CFL is coming back and it's going to come back early, right? And it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving, whatever the marketing thing is going to be. I think people will get excited about it because, and, and you know what, it'll be about getting out and going to a game. You don't have to be a football fan to go. You just want to go out and hang out with other human beings. Exactly. Beer, stare at other guys, girls, and, and 
Hey, listen, you Hang mentioned on. it. You mentioned it. I, I buy the cheapest ticket on uh, on whatever Ticketmaster, 25 bucks. It's a it's a nosebleed in the north side, and I don't even go to the seat. I stay on the concourse in the south side. I hang out with my buddies like Brock and his brother and, and watch the game from there, and it's a great crowd. It's a different vibe. Yeah, but you're a big wheel. You show up and everything. Hey, Pep, hey, Pep's here, yeah. Pep's here. Hey, Pep's here. Okay, they, they can kick the game off now that he's arrived. Yeah. Why is he wearing the Saskatchewan shirt when they're well, playing that's Toronto, it. though? That's ah. the problem. Yeah. Don't he's, got his, guy, he's got Don't his own issues. Oh, that's hey, it. I, I, hey, Brock, I always wonder about those guys. They yeah. had a game. They wore their Saskatchewan jersey, and Ottawa's playing, like, Calgary. Yeah, he's like, also a Habs we fan. It. We get it. You're loyal. The Habs yeah, fans are notorious for that, too. They wear their Habs jersey at every hockey game that doesn't even involve the Habs. Anyway. It's like, hey, also, let it go. Jeez, yeah. we get it. <laughs> Wash it for once. Uh, all the new stadiums seem to have that terrace now too that are coming out and yeah. i think they're they're understanding that they got to make it uh like the an party. event to get yeah. there you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that's how you're going to get people that are involved that was my last yeah. question is so the league obviously has done a great job in uh you know out with the old in with the new in winnipeg in saskatchewan mm-hmm. um uh, ottawa relatively new uh toronto have you been to all these stadiums Tor- toronto yeah sure yeah. have you been to all these yeah. new new domes and which one's the nicest um, you know, I, they said a lot of great things about Winnipeg, but I've also known that the, the beer line was really long. Mm-hmm. That's uh, never good. BC place upgraded. Now I'm not sure if you've been there since the upgrades, nope. but at night they've changed it. So it's only the, the lower bowl, but they've opened up the top where you can actually see the skyline of the city. Nice from the stands beyond, so it's really cool that West Coast vibe, which is well, they just cool. changed the whole roof entirely because that thing was a was a yeah. sheet, right? Yeah, yeah, ah, okay. that's what they did, and that's Toronto, never good yeah. for the CFL when like the Sky Dome and the BC Place where you can fit sixty thousand, but you're only getting twenty, <laughs> and then it looks Big like old. there's yeah. only about five in there. Hey, but, like, hey, but no, I I love the Sky Dome because they have the roof open, you can see the CN Tower and the whole yeah. thing. But we had we had this defensive lineman named Mike Jones. He's from uh, he's from the Bronx, right from New York. And we called him Jumbotron because every time he'd make a play, he'd get up and look at his replay and Jumbotron. <laughs> meanwhile, the huddle, meanwhile, the huddles are moving for the next play. And the whole game, we're watching game film, and you see him run back, watch his play, run back. One of the funniest things we ever saw. I, I also like Hamilton only because it's such an upgrade from Iverwind Stadium that looked like the stadium from mm. the longest yard. <laughs> where they had, all I was missing was the gun turrets. You, well, Brock, you've been, you've been to Hamilton and I ever win. Yeah. It's, and they, the, they got the NASCAR speed walls three yards <laughs> off the sideline. The new one's really nice. I've coached there in uh, yeah. some of the all, uh, whatever, OPC stuff or OP, whatever, OPFL. Yeah. There's some sort of championship I was coaching there. Uh, and it was in Hamilton multiple years. And it, it's kind of cool because it had like, I don't know, almost like a Green Bay vibe where you're kind of in the middle yeah. of, housing developments and communities and you kind of turn and there's the stadium and yeah. uh you know it, is it the same uh, it is it nice. where ivor win used to be it's it's it uh, yeah but a different direction like yeah. uh so i forget yeah. it's pretty windy and i think that has to do with yeah. whichever way it was facing um, uh, no, i always I always hated calgary and edmonton only because of the elevation the air quality was different in both cities and and edmonton you weren't allowed day before you weren't allowed on the commonwealth field uh, so you spent the first quarter trying to get the right cleats playing against the Eskimos and that Commonwealth. I always hated Calgary because you come out in Calgary and you felt like 
I want to score seven touchdowns a day because <laughs> you're wheeling around. The air quality is great. Then you finish warmups and you have to go back up that ramp and come back down the ramp <laughs> to the field. And by then you're gassed. And that hairy furball Flutie who never wore a belt with his jeans, he and his compatriots are going to score 50 points in the first half. So you spend the <laughs> second half trying to figure out where you're going to go for drinks. Good Lord. That's amazing. <laughs> Um, real quick, oh, we'll stories, wrap up the stories I could tell you, boys. <laughs> I could just imagine there will be follow up shows that will just be Ken of Rare unplugged. Um, yes. <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, you know, Ken now runs his own uh, leadership coaching business, and Pep he's got the email address Ken at KenOfRare.com. That's my goal. That's my life. Pep goal. is jealous. He needs to get a. a Pep at Cariotti.com, whatever he wants to call it. Um, but to wrap up on the uh, expansion thing, just the last thing. Yeah. Sure. If they merge, not expansion, merge. If they merge, what are the three main aspects of the CFL right now that they cannot change? Mm, Whether it's tradition question. or whatever, what are the three that are like the most important, in your opinion, for the CFL to retain? Three downs has to be three downs. Uh, keep the special teams. I think you can tweak the special teams, but three downs for sure. The Canadian content has to stay, even though it. The first year after the first year or two, it might put the Canadian teams at a competitive disadvantage because the American teams aren't going to sign Canadian players. Correct. So that's a six and one half dozen. The other that's a real tough one because you want to stay true to the Canadian content. But I, I believe in the Canadian players. So I, I think the Canadian players will compete and do fine. Uh, they're playing positions that are not traditionally Canadian positions now. It used to be they were a fullback. They were offensive linemen. They were one slot back. They were a nose tackle, one linebacker, and a free safety. But now you're seeing guys playing those those other skilled positions, yep. which really helps in terms of the ratio. So Canadian content, three downs. And uh, I think they should pay every slot back. Uh, 10% more than any other player on the field. <laughs> Retroactive no, to the 80s. Retroactive, Retroactive exactly. <laughs> but one thing that will change, and people are talking about the dimensions of the field, and some of these stadiums that they go to, if they're in the XFL, they can't go 65 yards wide. They can't go right the big end zones. Uh, we played in some stadiums where they had that Home Depot fake grass that you put on your deck. Yeah, brutal. And that was in the end zone. And you're trying to figure out what cleats because you're on turf for half the field and you're on grass for the other field. And uh, it, it was tough. So the dimensions of the field, I think, will certainly change only because you can't – they're not going to rebuild stadiums. They're not right. going to take seats out of some of these old stadiums that they're going to play in. Easier to go smaller than it is to go bigger yeah. in some of those places. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe they go 60 and, and change the end zones a little bit. Maybe move the goalposts. Well, I think I agree with you. I think the Grey Cup's got to stay. I think that's still got to be the championship, whatever happens to be the yeah. merger. I think the Grey Cup uh, has a long enough tradition it should stay. The Canadian ratio, same thing. Um, and I, I kind of like the clock uh, in the CFL where it's not a minute yeah, and a half you know or whatever or oh, 45 seconds fan. and they're running big off fan. the field. Yeah. You got to have the one yeah. more snap at zeros for it to count or whatever. Um, yeah. That, was probably, that, that might be my biggest argument with the NFL. If I have, if you told me one thing about the NFL that upset, that gets me mad, rule wise, mm -hmm. it is that. It is the fact that if you don't have all your timeouts with two minutes left and you're down by so so much so many points, you're done. Like you're taking a knee and it's and it's over. And in, this, in the CFL, it seems like you're never it's never over, which is kind of cool. 
And you want that dramatic end to the game like they have in the NBA and they have in other sports sure. like in hockey with the title. Okay, we're going to go to a three-on-three shootout. We're going to do the right the overtime, whatever. And you know how many times you even even if you you watch the NCAA college football games, the quarterback gets to center, he starts calling a bunch of canes, and he stops, and everybody on the offensive team does this and looks <laughs> over at the bench, and they got giant cards and <laughs> signals coming in so they can run an RPO, right? It yeah. didn't make any sense. I think the clock is a big one. And that clock, that that's a killer for a lot of Americans who come up here. Because not only do they have to play offense or defense with that clock, but now they have to play specials. Right. And a lot of good football players have fallen to the wayside because they just didn't have the stamina. Uh, it, it, it is it is tough to do. Yeah. Um, somebody also posted they didn't uh, accept the stream yard conditions. So I don't have your name. I apologize, but the goalposts have to move back. Uh, they didn't ever make sense to have them in the way, which I kind of agree. And as a receiver, you probably were always conscious of where those were and not making sure you ran it or make sure you didn't run into them. That's a big you answer are, for the yeah, back, though. A buddy of mine, Gerald Alphen, who's just a great player, he played for the Saints as well, and uh, he beat Scott Flagle three times on on post routes. Three touchdowns. But the third one, the only thing that hit him was the goalpost. Mm. And, and almost killed him. <laughs> almost killed him. Jared Offen, no, he was with uh, that Baltimore Stallions team too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at the yeah. yeah. And uh he was Winnipeg and he was here in Ottawa when I first got yeah. to Ottawa. And he was he was the first receiver I watched. And I'd seen some guys in Saskatchewan, but they had Elgard and Fairholm. Well, they were receivers, but they weren't those dynamic guys. Watching Don Narcisse running routes where he could stop on a dime. The only guy who was better than him was Tony Champion. But watching Gerald Alphen run routes and do his thing, you know, left me slack job. And then I remember Steve Goldman, he said, uh, he got me and Gerald Wilcox and the young receivers. He goes, come on, meatheads, you want to watch some video, watch some tape. Mm-hmm. And he puts in this VHS tape. That's how old I am. And it's the Edmonton Eskimos uh, with Warren Moon at quarterback, right, and a training camp one-on-ones. So now you're watching and it's these names you probably will never remember, but Brian Kelly and Mark. Brian Singer, Kelly, I know, hundred percent. And Brian Kelly would run an out route, and it's hard to describe, but most guys just run upfield and run the out. But his first steps were so hard inside that the corner would chase him. Then he hit the brakes and go back to the out, and so the corner would say, "Okay, when he does it, I'm going to stay here because I know he's coming back to me." And Brian would do the same stem, and then he'd go to the in. And he was just so dynamic. People say, well, why was Warren Moon so successful? When you have a guy like Brian Kelly running routes, uh-huh. it was an enlightenment. Like it was like Fred, going to Fred Belitnikov out there. He was uh, that's a that's yeah. how, well, he was so yeah. good. That's that's how he was. And you look at a lot of the receivers now, these young receivers and smaller receivers, and they're guys who can jitterbug, they can mambo in a payphone booth. And Kelly wasn't your typical NFL receiver, uh, but boy, maybe the best one I ever watched running routes. Yeah, I remember seeing him as a kid, and my dad pointed him out a bunch of times where he was like, This guy's killing us. Like, he's yeah. just yeah. unstoppable. And he looked like Howdy Doody. Yeah. What was <laughs> it? Mar- Marco Sincar, wasn't he, was he the original uh, mullet? Yeah, he was he the original mullet. mullet. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, there. Sincar was there. Konohowski was there. They had Fryer there. Tommy Scott. They had uh, wow. Emilio, Emilio Freyetta and Waddell Smith. Waddell Smith, Smith was on that team. That's an incredible squad, right? No wonder, no wonder Warren Moon leads the. I think Warren Moon leads all-time uh, fo- football Profession- player. Uh, Pat, 
professional football player in passing yards, is he not? Did AC not beat him? Is AC not the AC, guy now? Oh, that's a good he, question. AC have may have check. beat him. Yeah. But, but you know, keep in mind, he was also handing the ball off to Jim Germany and Neil Lumsden, and they always had the great Canadians at Edmonton. And mm. that was often the difference when they go to the great cup is their, their Canadians were a little better than the other team's Canadians. Uh, okay. We can go on and we will expand yeah. this with you. Um, we're going to keep you on if you don't mind. We've been doing this uh, goat of sure. goats. So mm-hmm. the score had this goat of goats bracket. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. we have whittled it down uh, and we're going to get into the semifinals real okay. quick. So um, you can kind of see what the bracket is. We've already taken uh, Jordan, Tiger Woods, uh, Usain Bolt moved on for us over Tom Brady, Muhammad Ali. So uh, Bolt and Ali will be against each other. Um, Messi beat Ronaldo again, potato, potato, I think. Um, and Federer uh, squeaked by Feltz in that one. Um and then we have uh, Wayne Gretzky and LeBron James. Oh, you gave Gretzky the easy round one, didn't you? <laughs> right? We didn't make this one up. So this yes. was, again, we'll give, it's the score that had picked it. But we figured instead of going by the votes wow. and seeing what data, we were going to have a discussion and figure out where we were at. So um, we're going to pick two of them today. And uh, we'll mm-hmm. get your uh, your thoughts on that as well. So, um I don't know which one we want to do, Pep. Uh, Let's do right side bracket. Oh, what's that now? Do I have uh, a right side Gretzky, bracket? Gretzky, LeBron. So that's Gretzky, LeBron, one on and Messi. Each side, one and either. Yeah, here I'll bring that back up. So we got so now it's uh, Gretzky versus LeBron James. So mm-hmm. it's in the semifinals. Gretzky versus LeBron James, and we have Messi versus Federer. So let's start with Messi versus Federer. Who would you choose to go on in that? We have one of the most elite soccer players to ever play the, the game in recent history, uh, and Roger Federer. His record is uh, is pretty still good. going, by the way. Yeah, still going. Yeah, I I, I think Federer. Yeah, Pep. Who Federer. do you got? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean Federer. Geez, he's he's uh, rehabbing an injury, but he, he plans on playing all the. I mean, if he wins even one more Grand Slam this year, I mean, he's going to solidify himself as. Uh, Probably the best tennis player to ever play, at least in the men's bracket. So, which yeah. is impressive. Like oh. I grew up through the Agassi, Pete Sampras type era, or whatever, and Sampras was one of those guys too. And you're just what Federer's doing against uh, you know Nadal's and, and those kind of guys. It's just what I miss. I miss the old Sports Illustrated magazine because we get it, and there'd be the obvious story. Like if, if it was baseball season, it'd be the story on the Cubs or whoever. But you also had those extra stories that brought Europe to you. So mm. like you learn about Bjorn Borg, you learned about some of these European athletes that right. you normally would never have gotten because you only had three channels on your TV. <laughs> right. Actually, like uh, I got a, yeah. Pep just got a yeah. whole bunch of old sports illustrated from a buddy of ours That's- and he dropped some college football stuff off me. So I've been going through the fact I even had to Google and say, is this the same guy? I would look at the <laughs> sec who was coming back and Freddie kitchens was the quarterback for Bama. And I was like, Hold on a sec. I had to Google the picture. I'm like, to make sure, is this the same Freddie Kitchens who's coaching Cleveland and looks like I thought he was an offensive lineman? And Uh, I'm like, no, he's the quarterback for Alabama back in whatever it was, 97 or something. Anyway, it's a... So so we agree on Federer. We agree on Federer. I don't think that, uh, yeah. 
we don't give soccer nearly enough credit here. I will be the first to, to admit, but I also give uh, more points to the solo athlete versus the team athlete. I still feel like there's something there, and that's where the Brady Usain Bolt discussion came in. Where you know Brady, yes, he won seven, but Bolt is on another level. And from like an athlete standpoint, I just thought, and we all agreed anyway. But that's where that kind of came from. And hey, bringing it back to Federer just for a second, like a five set match, if it's going six four, six four, six five, seven five, whatever it is, that's a it's five hours. <laughs> Sometimes they're four five hour matches. Yeah, yeah. and you're, you've got no time to rest. You, you cross over every third point. You might have a sip of water. But you are on there. It's a marathon, and you got to do that for two weeks. Like it's incredible. Yeah, and, it's incredible. And you got to serve a ball in fifth set, for example, uh, at a hundred whatever it is kilometers an hour. They're serving this thing up at. Uh, you got to serve it up the same way you you did in the first set. And it, it's not like you can go to the you can't go to the bullpen. Hey, give me the lefty. Right. Get some guy who's going to throw <laughs> at sixty miles an hour. And there's yep. such a contrast. <laughs> You know, it's a battle of attrition tennis. And, it absolutely and, uh, is. Yeah. All right. So Federer, that was an easy discussion, maybe. Uh, Wayne Gretzky versus LeBron James. Oof. Wow. Wow. I got to go, Gre- go Gretzky. Because there's so many great, there's so many great basketball players out there. That could be that could be uh, Magic Johnson in that spot. That could be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That could be yeah. a lot of other basketball players. But if you're going to put a hockey player in there, there's only really two hockey players you can put in there. Gretzky, Gretzky and how? And Lemieux. Lemieux. Lemieux was, uh, Lemieux was put up against MJ in round one. Yeah. So he was kind of destined to probably lose that, uh, yeah. that conversation. I think Gretzky's, Gretzky's the choice there. Because, also because of what Gretzky did for hockey in the States as well. Yeah. Pep? Well, you're a big Laker fan, big basketball I, I am, fan. I am, I am, I am. LeBron is one of those players that he's uh, he's changed the way uh, teams play and teams defend. But Gretzky has two two thousand seventy career points. I mean, it's he's so far ahead of the next guy. It's unbelievable what he's what he accomplished. And I think he had four seasons where he had two hundred points. His first four seasons or something ridiculous. It's untouchable. Those some of those records. Whereas LeBron. I, and when LeBron's story is all done, we might be having a different conversation. But right now, if you're telling me to pick right now, I have to go Gretzky. Does 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 the argument with LeBron that he went to teams, he went to Miami, he had Bosch and D Wade, then he went back mm. to Cleveland. Mm. He goes to teams where they they have studs, mm. where your I, chances of winning are great. It's not like he went to Milwaukee and he carried a team on his back. He did go to Minnesota and carry a team on his back and win a championship. The, the championship he won in Cleveland, he had Kyrie. And the rest were really just uh, accessories. Uh, Kevin Love was, a, was a, you know, a, a serviceable power forward, but he was not very athletic. And then you had J.R. Smith and you had uh, Iman Shumpert. Just uh, a lot of compliments. And then one, <laughs> of his title, one of his titles in Miami... I mean, it was really him and Wade. Bosch was Bosch was like a second or third tier star, but it was him and Wade, and they had a shooter in Ray Allen. So, to him, for him to get up and go to these teams in order to win championships, I don't, I don't know. I, we saw we there have been instances of that in the past. I mean, I, I can't hold that against him. Uh, but I won't put, I up, but I won't have him beat Gretzky. 
No, did Gretzky Gretzky didn't win with any other team, did he? Just Edmonton. Just Edmonton. Yeah. Which yeah. again, if you look at the lineup for Edmonton at the time and, and the guys that went on to they still won the Stanley Cup the year he was traded, I think. Um, yeah. you know, I think he Gretz- had McSurley had that illegal stick. Remember that that penalty? I remember it very well because I was watching it with yeah. my mother, and I was a big Habs fan, and uh, that's a gutsy call by Jacques Demers, I tell you. <laughs> well, Wayne Gretzky had the illegal high stick to Doug Gilmore, which got them to the finals, so tit for tat. Hey, when you mentioned J.R. Smith, have you seen that Kevin Hart, J.R. Smith in the, in the cold tub bit? It's incredible. Oh, I haven't seen that. We're talking about LeBron. Oh, my God. It's incredible. LeBron had me in tears. Have you, have yeah, you yeah. seen it, Brock? No, I'm going to write it down here so oh, I'll watch it right after. It's so funny when Kevin Hart's doing that impression of yeah. LeBron play, <laughs> playing cards. <laughs> well, go really back to the it. XFL. The Kevin Hart and uh, and The Rock have a lot of they do a lot of one on one stuff where it's like uh, yeah. dad. There's dad. There's one where they do dad jokes. I think there is one when they're in the hot tub and it's, yeah. it's great stuff. Pretty funny stuff. All right, so we're we're going with Gretzky. I yeah. uh, would agree. Okay. We have to keep him on there. Um, like you said, we'll see what happens with LeBron overall. But what Gretzky did for the game of hockey, and actually Ken brings up a good point with like you could put a couple of basketball players there. There, you know, again, the show we want to do, and, and Pep, I want to talk that we can talk about a whole bunch of like sports that have evolved over time and which ones have evolved the most. And we mm-hmm. talk about the hockey goalie being probably one of mm-hmm. the, the positions in sports that has evolved the most over time. Um, you know, I think basketball is getting to a point where I'm watching highlights last night of uh, Siakam, like kind of spin. He goes up like super awkward and he, he's able, but he's still able to dunk it because he's just so tall and, and able to jump. And they're all like that. It's almost like I want to see the rim be 10 and a half or 11 feet now and make mm-hmm. it um, evolve like the players have evolved kind of thing. But anyway, we're going to leave in Gretzky. So we're going to have Gretzky versus Federer next time. Oh boy. Um, and then we got to talk uh, the other side, which we'll do that on the next one. Uh, you yeah. have, again, in the effort of uh, Ken's got kids and stuff too, we've been taking a lot of his <laughs> time here. Uh, you have uh, – is it a game or something you wanted well, to? Well, it's just, you know what? I pieced together a, basically the the who's who of CFL players throughout the, I'd say th- dating back to like the late 80s, except for maybe one or two players here. And mm-hmm. basically it's, I just, I would, and this might be difficult because a lot of these guys are probably your buddies, but uh, this is the you know, pick your offensive dream team. All right. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to name off two guys. I'm going to say mm-hmm. Joe versus Jim, and you got to pick pick one to create sure. your dream team. Okay. Well, now, yeah. typically, of course, a team would have two or three quarterbacks. In the quarterback section here, I got I have ten quarterbacks. Basically, you're going to pick uh, five of those ten. Okay. So, sure. uh, question one: Who are you taking? Oh, Anthony Cavio or Warren Moon? Warren Moon. Oh, <laughs> Doug Flutie or Damon Allen? Damon Allen. Bro, I, had my only, I had my only season of a thousand yards and Damon's my boy. So enough uh, said, had, Hey, that changes your opinion pretty quick. You know, if, if, yeah. if somebody's feeding you the ball. Yeah. If I, Scott Endicott would have been my quarterback, if I was playing touch football still, that's who I would have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Garcia or Hank Burris. I don't think Garcia gets enough credit. I go with Garcia. Oh, I agree. He with was you. pretty good. Danny, Danny McManus or Ricky Ray. Two of the best guys ever. Mm. Ricky Ray, because of that corner route he throws. 
It's a good ball. Nobody could stop it. You know it's coming, and you yeah. can't do a damn thing about it. Mm-hmm. It's like Brock crossed the dance floor at the school dance. <laughs> the for dance. You can do nothing about it. Nothing about it. Stairway to heaven's plane. You can do nothing about it. Here he comes. And uh, last one, Matt Dunnigan or Tracy Ham? Dunnigan. Yeah. Reason Dunnigan. being is Dunnigan's that type of quarterback. Tracy's a great guy. Uh, I've had some quarterbacks where they wouldn't buy you a beer after a game where Dunnigan say, I'm not just going to buy you a beer. We're going to go pick up 10 cases. <laughs> Dunnigan was just, I remember we lost, we lost the Eastern final in Winnipeg to them. And uh, we probably didn't belong there because we'd beaten Ottawa the week previous. And Ottawa probably would have beat or given Winnipeg a, a bigger fight. We didn't have much of a game against Winnipeg. But I went into the locker room to say bye to Alfin and Wilcox and some of the guys I knew. And I'm sitting in their locker room just nursing a beer. And uh, we're going to fly out a couple hours. And out comes Dunnigan in this, the shower, buck naked. <laughs> and he screams, Avrar! And he walks straight towards me. But he doesn't go around the beer coolers. He crawls over top of them naked, puts his feet in them, <laughs> comes out, and it's just, it's just, it's just Maddie. It's just Maddie all the way. So again, all those great personalities. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, running backs. There's not the. It's a smaller group here. Yep. Um, Mike Pringle or Pinball Clemens. Pinball. And I'll tell pinball. you why. Yeah. Okay. Pinball. Pin, pinball may only run for 50 yards and team win, and he's excited. If Pringle runs for 50 and does, and the team loses, sorry, and wins, he's pissed off. If mm. Pringle runs for 150 and the team loses, he's still okay. Mm. Interesting. I did not know Always that about Always smiling. Didn't know that about me. Okay, Kelvin Anderson or John Cornish? Kelvin Anderson. George Reed or Willard Reeves? I'm going to go George. Yeah, even though Willard Willard was a stud. Willard was a stud. Willard was a big back too. With it, that was a that was a bruising team. That Winnipeg, Winnipeg. team Go, that going was... into the Winnipeg and playing oh, against Coles. And... Oh, all right, we got Walby and all those guys. Oh, Miles Gurel. All right, um, <laughs> we're off to wide receivers, then then linemen, and then we're out of here. Uh, okay, wide receivers: Milt Stegall or Giroy Simon. Mm. Um, neither. Okay. 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 I like going off the board. Okay. All right. Both, both great, but, um, I I think there were some other guys who did some things athletically. They didn't put the numbers up, but they were better receivers. All right. Maybe they're in the follow. The the other ones. Let's see if there are any other groupings. I like it. Rocky DiPietro or Ray Elgard? You played with Rocky. Yeah, and I lost the All-Canadian, the top Canadian, to Ray, and I was in training camp with Ray. Ray was a game changer. Ray was just... That's, uh, and, that's what I'm and, wearing, and, by the way. And, and here's the funny thing. He and Fairholm didn't get along. Oh, really? No. They were polar opposites. Uh, Fairholm hung out with Tom Burgess all the time. Colgate Burgess guy? Was that Colgate guy, right? And played, they talked golf all the time. Whereas Kent Austin and Elgard, they rolled together. Really? And so there was that, there was that thing in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Really cool. But Elgard for sure. But they won the cup with Austin under center that in the interim. Yeah. Against Hamilton. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, Tony Champions. Oh, no, no receiver I might go with instead of G Roy. And uh, who was the other one? Uh, Mills Steagle. Stephon Jones. Stephon Jones, great. One of my favorite player in Ottawa. Or or scratch Steph. Earl Winfield. Earl Winfield on the other side of Tony Champion. What a, what a team. Mike Kerrigan. That they had a great team. Who was the running back for them? At, for that um, uh, you named him earlier, Mac, I think. McAdoo was in that group. McAdoo. McAdoo. But Earl Winfield, true, quick true story. Uh, our our new travel guy, <laughs> for some reason, Brock. Booked us in a hotel, not here in Ottawa, we played the Rough Riders, but in Hull. <laughs> <laughs> the bus stop, guys dropped off bags, and they were gone. Earl was my roommate. I didn't see him until the next day, an hour before a bus going to the stadium. He came in with this blonde. He said, make sure the bus doesn't leave without me. And we got up to the stadium, got in there in time, and he caught 12 for like, 180 and two touchdowns and it beat a guy so bad for Ottawa we're on the bench and Earl goes man that mofo bit sink line and hooker (laughs) (laughs) great guys ever Uh, it's pretty great Earl Winfield my receiver Earl Winfield all right so I'll just scrap Stiegel and and Simon and put Earl in there Uh, Alan Pitts or Daryl Mitchell Pitts Darren Flutie Mookie was, or Kenneth Mookie was a stud, but it's either Pitts or DK from Toronto, DK Smith. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna just about to ask. I'm like, DK was, something for Toronto was awesome. What was his last name? Smith. DK was a stud. Yeah, yeah. but in Calgary though, they had Sapunjas as well. Oh, another right. great slot back. Okay. Sapunjas. Yeah. Um, Darren Flutie or Kenneth Rare. Flutie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Flutie. All right. I don't know. I, I have a rare on my list, but that's okay. All right. Uh, Tony Champion or Don Narcisse? Narco. If Greg Champ Elliott. stayed healthy, if Champ stayed healthy and didn't smoke as much dope, he might be there. It might be there, but it was nar- Narco. Well, that's why he Narco didn't feel was... his ribs in that catch in the Great Cup. Oh, that, that was wow. one of the greatest catches ever, without a yeah. doubt. But uh, Narco can just do stuff. Yeah. I remember, I just remember them. Uh, I was, geez, 89, 90. I just remember all the offensive players for Saskatchewan wearing those brown mitts, those, uh, those the glass cutter, glass cutter yeah. ones. Yeah. And your hands stunk. James no Ellings breathing. Bushiani, all those guys, because there's, yeah, they didn't breathe. So your hands stunk. But uh, a lot of guys will run one on one routes in practice, and you go, wow. But they don't do it within the constraints of the game, except for Don Narcisse. Uh huh. Okay. Narco would just, he'd get lined up and it'd scare the crap out of guys. Yeah. Yeah, that loose neck celebration, dude. Didn't, oh, yeah. didn't he have that? Yeah. <laughs> you can do that pretty good. I've seen you do that, Brock, actually. Yeah, I'm not doing All that. right, moving on. Greg Ellingson or Andy Fantuz? I'm going to go with Ellingson. Only because Fantuz went to Western. I was his roommate when I was uh, all Canadian. He went down. He was up for the rookie, OUA rookie or something. Yeah. We were roommates. And you talk about right. Winfield right having guy. fun. <laughs> Fantuz was gone. Him and uh, Brad Smith of Queens yeah. were out. And they came back with, I, I almost introduced themselves as, I thought that was their mothers. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> Fantuz is a real ugly looking guy. <laughs> Right. So. Uh, Brandon Banks or Arlen Bruce? 
Banks because of the special teams, but I wouldn't even. I'd have him against Rocket Ishmael. I'd better, still, better comparison. Still, maybe go still go Banks because Banks, yeah? Banks has become a really good receiver. I told him that when they played here two years ago, and he finally got a chance to play receiver because he was really just a he was just a really spoiled brat, really playing special teams and crying and temper tantrums. Then they put him at receiver and gave him more responsibility. And he really excelled. So I'd go Banks because Rocket was only here for a couple of years. Yeah. All right. We're going to zip through the the kickers really quickly. Louis yeah. Pasagli or Dave Ridgway? Basically Kicker? the ghost. <laughs> kickers, yeah. Uh, gotta, yeah. Got to go Ridgway because he had to kick in, in Regina versus in the Dome. Agreed. Place. Battle of the Pauls here. Osbaldiston or McCallum? Who got the poop on their front lawn? McCallum. McCallum? <laughs> uh, I'd go Ozzy, but I'd, I guess Hank Elisic's not part of that conversation. Hank Elisic, he, he, punter? He's a punter, isn't he? Was Elisic oh, a punter? He, he, was he, a great punter. He, he also kicked field goals when okay. he played for Toronto, but oh. he was 19 in Edmonton winning cups, driving a Cadillac, and on top of that, uh, God decided to really bless him. This is Hank Elisic? Hank, Hank Elisic. <laughs> Tough life. 19, driving a Cadillac, wearing great cup rings. And the guy was a tripod. <laughs> I was going to say, you finish your sentence, and I know every listener's like, God, what does that And then mean? they're like, oh. And, and, and Brock, Brock knows what I'm talking about. He's like, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, I play with That's guys funny. called D-Train, and it, uh, yeah, for different reasons. Anyway. Yeah. Mark McLaughlin or Troy Westwood? These are basically the top six kickers on on when if you Google this, CFL this, kickers, these are the these are the is, guys. This is the banjo. This is the banjo bowl thing, though. Yeah, this right? is this it. Is, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, I know it's. I think Westwood and and even punting Bob Cameron because they had both tough places to kick, but I think Westwood. Yeah. Well, because Westwood could take a punch. Was it yeah. somebody came on and just knocked them silly on the side? No, that was um, that was Toronto. That was um, oh, was Bruce, wasn't that Erland Bruce? Wasn't that Erland Bruce? No, involved in that? no, it's no. Robert Brown Robert Baker, I think Baker Baker. And it, yeah, he started. It was Noel Prefontaine. Noel Prefontaine. Oh exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Prefontaine was a big guy. Yeah, but if you got a name like Noel, <laughs> you don't get anybody's face, right? You should it's be called Noel sure. with your Christmas decorations still up in the back. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> just lazy. Just awesome. lazy. Somebody made a comment right. on earlier. Now we're going to finish off with the offensive line here. Brock, you might want to chime in if you like. Uh, Brian Chu or Rod Connup? These, Connup these are centers. Laurier guy. Laurier guy and good looking. Yeah. <laughs> the, Chu didn't have that for him, but uh, Chu's my boy. So I'm going to go Chewy's, with Chu. Chewy's a great guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a tackle, Chris Walby or Miles Gurrell? Ooh, Miles was a teammate. They both played. They both played Winnipeg together. Yeah, I think I, I think Walby. He went down with a knee injury. We played them, and the whole place went quiet. It was the Eastern Final, I think it was. And they brought the stretcher out. Hmm. So the whole place is quiet. He's trying to bend his knee. He stands up. He's bending his knee. And he sees a stretcher, and he kicks the stretcher. Kicks it away. Uh, Please go friggin' nuts. Ah! 
<laughs> they go on to win by 30, and he's a player of the game. I still remember him, his first, like, mic interview, whatever. Like, he was doing the broadcasting, right, for a while. And he'd hold the mic, and yeah. his fingers are going every which way from Sunday. Like, I know. just, you say, that's an offensive lineman right there. Bad, bad bananas. Horrible. Bad bananas. Chris Morrell is a big Gigi alumni, though, too, right? So Who's our guards? Uh, we've, we're, we're right there. Ozuma Okeke or Gene Makowski? Uh, Mikowski. Uzo had some of the best feet, and he was very undersized for a tackle, but had a great punch and great feet, and that's why they, he ended up having such a great career. He also put a, a dead fish in my helmet during training camp. That was part of his thing. He played. Was he a guard? No, he played tackle for Montreal. What's amazing is when you see some of these guards, and they're able to move. They're so big, but they're able to move the way they do in that small space, right? Because you got guys trading paint over here. You got guys trading paint over here. You're trying to pick up blitzers and stuff. There's a lot of crap going on. Yeah. Right. Where centers, for the most part. Unless the guy's nose up, Sender's going to have some help. That's where I guards. thought Chu did very well because Chu would, he the scheme, he wasn't getting help. He was either helping or he was, it's the levels of being able to, to be at the front and say, you know what, it's not here. I got to drop back and then be outside. And it's, it's that spatial awareness from playing those levels that was really mm-hmm. impressive from the Chu standpoint that I remember seeing. And I was like, wow, he's really getting back yeah. for a center and then out to help. Like it's uh, it's that kind of stuff that just goes unnoticed for normal people, it seems, but yeah. very and well, have, very you talented. Have, you have to do it in practice at game speed just for a bit, just to get used to it. It usually leads to a, at least three fights during the season because especially midway, the guys are just tired. They don't want to be trading paint, but you need to do that kind of stuff. A guy that we didn't mention, and rest in peace, Gonna miss him a lot is Chris Schultz. Oh yeah, Schultz was yeah. such a, and he was such a competitor. But he was friends with almost everybody on the other team. Mm. He didn't have to spend time with a guy. He'd see a guy and say, "Hey Ken, what's going on?" Hey Schultz, and you just get along. That's the cool thing about playing in, in team sports, especially at this level, where you'll see guys and you're complete. One guy grew up in California. One guy's in Texas. One guy played in Guelph. One guy went to Laval. But you get on the field and you see each other after the game. And there's that connection. Mm. And that's what you miss the most. My dad played pro baseball. And uh, he had Pete Rose and Richie Allen for teammates. He had never told me a story about a score of a game. But mm. he can tell you about the people like it happened yesterday. That's the beauty of sports, Ken. That's what brings everybody together, sports. Yeah. But how the, how the hell are you going to forget Hank Alyssa come out of the shower? That's something that's burned into your <laughs> eyes and your brain. No, I'm never going to forget it, and I wasn't even there. So, uh, okay, okay, Roger Aldag or Scott Flory? Dag. Yeah. He played like 20, he played oh, like for yeah. 24 years all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Flory, Flory screwed me over anyway. The only reason I stayed in Saskatchewan as long as I had before they traded me to Ottawa was that uh, – Aldag was doing kickoff re- kickoff cover mullet. And the guy had been in the league for around 14 years by then. So I raced out there. I was smart enough to race out there and get him out of there. So the vets didn't bust my chops at all during training camp. That's and good. it helped that everybody who got two beer tickets at the end of the day in training camp, I just gave my tickets to the vets every day. Ah, 
every day. Smart. And he took care of me. Very smart. Yeah. Playing that Very game. Smart. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of offensive linemen. Like there was, it was a long list, so I had to sort of narrow it down to the guys I knew, yeah. guys I'd seen. But uh, Pierre Vercheval or Brendan Labat? Labat was a stud. Mm. There's, there's so many of those great Saskatchewan linemen. Yeah. But Vercheval, I'm going to go with because there's a French Canadian kid who went to Western, barely speak English, and went to Western, and. Uh, he was part of a great offensive line at Western when I was at Laurier. And they had Blake Marshall for a running back. Oh, another house. Oh, and Irv Damon was part of that offensive line. You know, Brock, you know Irv. Yeah. And what uh, Irv's, Irv's favorite word is, uh, uh. <laughs> Irv's the only guy, and I say it, we, we go down to Cincinnati. I did a, when I was starting to do an O-Lyman podcast, he was the first interview I had. So I have yeah. audio of him singing his like walk-up song kind of thing in the back. Anyway, hilarious. But we'd go to Cincinnati for that uh, offensive lineman uh, coaches clinic thing, whatever, and we'd go out to eat yeah. and stuff. And he's got phenomenal stories. So he's got great stories. But oh. what was uh, – I couldn't keep my eyes and my attention away from is that he would be telling these stories while yeah. wolfing down huge meals, and he, he would not <laughs> miss a bite or <laughs> he wouldn't even tell he had his mouth full, but it was just constantly going in while he was telling the story. And I was like, how do you even do that? I can't even breathe and talk at the same time. And he's just wolfing this down, but amazing guy. He, he chirped me, the Laurier Western uh, conflict rivalry, and he chirped me. He's like, hey, Avrera. And you know Irv. <laughs> he's got this head by his neck. He wore this neck roll, but he had like six neck rolls, I swear, kind of on those pads because his neck was so long. So I called him Beaker from the Muppets. Hey, Beaker. <laughs> right? And he looked at me, and I think he was stunned because Irv's a pretty intelligent guy. Oh, yeah. He's a smart guy. And I think he was impressed when I came up with something from way on left field, from Beaker from the Muppets. And from that point on, he and I just connected. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember being out. Uh, Carl told me one of our friends at uh, coaches yeah. Auto U and stuff like Carl. that. Yeah. He was, you know, a very big football fan, old lineman fan. So I remember we were on the field when I was younger. It was high school. I think we were. I just where I met Carl. We we're on the and he was talking about knowing Irv Damon. And I was like, okay, whatever. We're on the field, and I can Carl. I hey Irv, and then Irv. Hey Carl. It was just like EOR, <laughs> kinda of like walk after game. He's just exhausted. And I was I was so impressed. Carl's got his Zubass pants on, right? With the big curly yep. hair and the big glasses. Ah. Uh, it was an Love awful that. time for that. But Irv's one of those again, one of those guys you never forget. Yeah. Uh Ken, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna end my segment here with uh you mentioned all the old uh CFL teams when they when they um, expanded down into the States. Yeah. Can you guess the quarterbacks? I'll just say the roster, and you can guess the quarterback. There's four or five sure. of them who who definitely played in the CFL. A Las Vegas Posse. Calvillo. Yep. Sacramento Gold Miners. Archer. You got it. Oh, nice. Uh, the Baltimore football team for the first year, or whatever. I know that was the Tracy Ham Colt and the was it Tracy Ham? It was Tracy Ham. Mm -hmm. uh, the Shreveport Pirates. They had a bunch that were down there. And a couple no, came back to play in Ottawa, didn't they? Yeah, Eero Sanchez was one of them. Um, yes. There was a guy. Oh, he's a coach now with the 49ers. 
Oh, this is going to bother me. Is Curtis listening? Because Curtis has a Shreveport Pirates helmet. Maybe there's a name on the back. That's amazing. <laughs> he took that from well, Lieberman's give office. You a, give you a, a hint. It was um, he went to New Orleans, and and Ditka was fed up with him and all the other guys with the same name. Was Ebear there? No. No, no. Who's? But there was an NFL quarterback that went down there. Oh, this is going to bother me. Yeah, you're thinking of the same guy. You're thinking of the guy. I was going to say Steve DeBerg, but it's not. It's not Bobby no. Ebear. It wasn't a lefty, oh, was he? No, it was, yeah. it was a righty. He was a gunslinger. This is going to bother me. Not Who a good it? one, but he was a gunslinger. Well, right. we'll come back Ooh. to it. I'll, okay. I'll let you think yeah. about it. San Antonio Texans? Or Tex- yeah, Texans? Um, he played here in Ottawa after. Archer played there as well. Yeah. But there was a guy before him. But Archer played, I think, the second year of the Texans. Because Archer was in Sacramento. Yep. And then he went over to San Antonio. Yep. With a pretty good football team over there. Who was it? Uh, We'll come back. We'll come back to it. Uh, Birmingham Barracudas? Matt Dunnigan. That was Dunnigan. Oh, nice. And Memphis Mad Dogs? That was Damon. That was Damon. Uh, The Texans, it was Jimmy Kemp. Jimmy Kemp. Okay. Jimmy Kemp. And the Shreveport Pirates, (laughs) it was Billy Joe Tolliver. That's it. I, I, Billy Joe Tolliver. He, he had one of those water boy, Bobby Boucher type names. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Many, if you look at the roster, look at how many players were there, how many quarterbacks were there, because they had a bunch of guys. They did have a bunch of guys, and they yeah. went with him. <laughs> but of all those towns, are the best city. I'll never forget Streetport, Louisiana, because we're going we're, we're to walk to the restaurant. They said, don't you dare. Make sure you get in a cab. So we get in a cab, and the cab looked, looked at us, and it's myself, Wally Zatelli, Richard Nurse, whose son plays in the NFL, NHL, Darnell Nurse, and the Nurse family, and uh, Lee Knight. And we get in, and we're gung-ho Canadians thinking this is like a vacation, right? And the guy stops to fill up the car with gas but keeps the meter running. So Richard Nurse, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Okay, Richard, you say something about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. So we, had the, we probably had the best meal we ever had, and I remember we got a different cab coming back, and the guy pulls up. And he rolls down his window and he actually rolled down the window. It wasn't the electric window. He rolled it down and goes, Hey, you guys, the football team? I said, Yeah, we are. Okay. <laughs> Man, what are you doing here playing football in Shreveport? Right? He's going on and on. And so we started asking him a bunch of questions and uh, we said, well, What's it like in Shreveport? I said, Man, it's crazy down here. What do you mean? Said, They're always trying to rob you, right? I said, What do you mean? He said, Well, they call me and I show up and they pull out their guns and try to rob me. So we're like, what do you do? Because I pull out my gun. And he at least reaches under his seat. And he's got a gun. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's the Wild West. But we gave him, we had our per diem, and it was all in American. So we gave him 50 bucks. said, just drive around and show us the place. And made the guy's day. Beauty. It's amazing. All right, Kenny, we've taken plenty of your time. We've taken our listeners' yeah. time as well. We're uh, over time. We need to set this up from a podcast standpoint so we can just let you go time-wise. Yeah. But really appreciate you coming on, sharing your insights from the CFL-XFL merger, some of your yeah. your uh, career stories and stuff like that, which are great. I could listen to this all night. Um, that being said, we're going to go uh, – obviously, congratulations to – I forgot the Brooke Henderson. Uh, Otto's Brooke Henderson won her 10th LPGA Tour event that's at where, 23. That's a crazy stat. Which is crazy. And Tiger Woods won his 10th at the same age. Uh, so, obviously, huge uh, milestone for Brooke Henderson. 
I uh, also wanted to give a shout out to uh, a friend of ours. I think everybody here knows him. Uh, Keith Hiscox, who uh, celebrates a milestone yeah. birthday uh, coming up on Thursday, which is the NFL draft. He's, uh, he's the big 5-0. Mm-hmm. So uh, happy big birthday Keith. to Keith. And, um, you know, he's a part owner of the Crazy Horse as well. So if you're looking to support local and uh, skip the dishes, get some real good meals, some burgers, whatever, Crazy Horse is the place to go. And when this COVID thing does end, we will start doing some live shows from uh, uh, from the Crazy Horse as well, but uh, I told him he could pick the going out song, and uh, he said if he ever had a walk up song or a song for a game that he wanted Metallica, Harvester of Sorrow. A little bit off what we normally do, but this is for you, Keith. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week. We're going to cover the NFL draft because it'll have been done. Follow us on Instagram. So we do Instagram Live on Thursday when we're probably dissecting the draft and maybe doing some stuff during it. But appreciate you tuning in. Ken, again, thanks for joining us. Alain, good luck in the draft next week. And we'll talk to you guys later. Be safe.